Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. We are here, and we're so glad that you are as well. I'm Amy Jo Girardier, and this is... My name is Garrett. And we have David Hanna with yeah. us. Hey! How come you get to be like a Brazilian soccer player with just one name? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I'm just Garrett. I'm it's just Garrett. I, I've been on a couple of these. It's just familiarity. My name is Garrett Gregory. There you go. How do you feel, David Hanna? I mean, Amy Jo, like, they'll think Joe is my last name, so I just throw it all in there, you know? Makes sense. Joe's your last name? No. <laughs> Incredible. No. I had oh never gosh. knew that. We're off to a great start. We're rolling. Dave. <laughs> yes. It's Christmas time. Christmas time oh. is here. If you could see any artist, I always just call it hot seat real quick. It'll feel a little bit warm. It's not that okay. bad. I'm good. Um, here we go. Mm-hmm. Any artist at Christmas time, who do you want to see? Oof. Uh, it could be Christmas concert esque if you want to go that route. Any artist at Christmas time? Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be it'd be hard not to say Buble, right? I hate mm. that. Like, I mean, if if Sinatra okay. was w- still with us, yeah, then definitely. Yep. Um, but it's hard not to say Buble, right? right. Isn't that the, isn't that like, the right answer here? Yeah. Yeah, Correct. Michael W. Smith too. I think you could throw that in, maybe. <laughs> if you're seeing <laughs> if you're seeing Michael Buble, Buble, yes, yes, is that Italian? Buble, Buble? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that's French. Huh? Oh, close. Um, potato, potato. They won yesterday. Uh, they did. They did. They did. They did. Even Let's though they're missing half the Let's move along. If you could see Buble anywhere, Nashville venue, what venue you want to see Michael Buble in? Well, come on. These are obvious questions. It's yeah. got to be the rhyme. Yes. I you say Hudson Hall. You could say the Skimmerhorn. Um, a Skimmerhorn would be solid. That's a, that's a good shout. You could say your living room. That'd be um, a real I mean, like, the, if, we're, if we're just like fan, in fantasy world, yes. Cheekwood. Oh, that'd be fun. Well, outdoor what? outdoor Christmas show. Uh, yes, fantastic. I'm a big fan it. of outdoor Christmas Let's shows, and, and you you bundle up and you have like those big cider fifty gallon drums and uh, with the with the fire. Okay. Yeah, old Christmas music or uh, newer stuff, traditional, new. What's your what's your jam? My wife and I were having this conversation just the other day. There there is no new Christmas music. There 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 are songs that people it's write and statement. sing. Okay. But you can't really add to the canon. Like, it's there. Every once in a while, a Mariah Carey comes along. But mm. it is super, super rare. There is only old Christmas music. And the reality is, all I want to hear mm-hmm. is about 20 different versions of the same 14 or so songs for the next six weeks of my life. Mm. I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Bing or Frank for the rest of your life? What time of year is it? It's Christmas time. Just Christmas time. Yes. Bing. <laughs> My guy, mm. all year round you got no go disrespect, Frank. but oh yeah, yeah no Christmas, it's Bing, mm-hmm. totally. It's I mean he he is he is the Christmas icon. White Christmas is not only the greatest Christmas movie of all time; it's one of the greatest movies of all time. All right, time to get in the nitty gritty. Mm. Agreed. White Christmas is great. Mm-hmm. Everybody talk. What's the one that everybody talks about all the time, but it's really long? Uh, you were. Ta- it's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Right. Like people people love it, but yeah. but it's it's, it's so pretty long. dark. Yes. Like, not just White Christmas, though. Um, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. (laughs) No spoilers. It's it's only literally 80 years old. It's like Habakkuk 3. It gets better. Um, (laughs) I love that one. Yeah, it's great. My dad's name was Clarence, so we loved that. Oh, yeah, nice. Nice. All right, let's let's make some people mad. Have you ever met a baby named Clarence? My dad was once a baby. Uh, Was he, though? Was he? He Are all Clarences born 40-year-old, full-grown men? Uh, yeah, in flannel. <laughs> Dave, let's talk about the Hannas for a minute. 
that's your family. Correct. Um, do you and Nick Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving? Are you staunch post Thanksgiving only, and you're going to ruin it? I need to know where the right. Hannahs. So, so land. we are firm believers in real Christmas trees. Praise um, God. It, it was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for us. Which means you can't, like, we still don't have a Christmas tree up yet. Okay. You can't do it too early, or then it's just nothing but, uh, you know, naked branches hey, and pine Half trees. Sprite, half water. Uh, totally. Totally. Uh, so Christmas tree will go up mm, December 7th-ish, somewhere okay. right in there. Thanksgiving weekend is when we put the decorations up. Okay. But you wait till post-Thanksgiving. This year... Because we were going to to family for Thanksgiving meal, Thanksgiving morning we put them up because we wanted to come home from the Thanksgiving meal to a lit house. Love it. Yeah, right. We do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. The Garretts. The Garretts do the same. <laughs> the Garretts might or might not have put up. So I've got I've got three littles, and so when they see any sort of Christmas light, Christmas tree, anything. They get excited. So I think they saw something in the neighbor's yard. And so maybe early November, Collins, who's our tiny one, comes in. Maybe it was Campbell, um, our oldest, came in and said, I would like the Christmas tree to be up. And I I love Christmas. It's my favorite. I'm fine to put it up November 1st. Um, I have no qualms with celebrating Jesus early. Tree and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, I celebrate Jesus every day. Amen. Is it a real tree then? No, no. Okay. So we have we have one that's when we first got married, it's probably eight years old now. When we first got married, we would go back and forth from Lubbock to Nashville. So you can't leave the real tree in Lubbock. Guns you know. up. Yeah. There you go. They actually won this weekend. Um and so we had a real tree then, didn't work out, so we got a, a fake one and we just have kept that along. I did tell Chelsea yesterday, I really want to start a tradition where we go and we snag it. I, I just Hayes came in and here's the kicker. That we lit a candle that smells like a Christmas tree in the house, right? And Hayes goes, that doesn't smell like a Christmas tree. And I was like, Hazy, it really does. And he's like, no, that can't be it. And I realized he's four, and he's never really smelled totally. a real Christmas tree. See, that's so my fault. We get a candle that smells like a fireplace, so our gas fireplace smells like a fireplace. Got it. Oh, that's good. Uh, in Italy, when you buy Christmas trees, normally if you're buying a, a real tree, um, they come with a root ball hmm. so you can plant them in a pot. And we had the huh. same tree for like four straight years. We would just put it out on our balcony, and it continued to grow. What? And every year it got bigger. I mean, it was very Charlie Brown tree, but it got super tall. It was yeah. It was I, so I've always wanted to do that, which I, that's a dumb thing to say because if I wanted to do it, I would. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to want to do that here in the states, and I never have. So you don't go and cut down trees? In no, Indiana. that's a little too Griswold for me. Okay. Um, okay. as much as I love me some Clark. Griswold. Yeah. So we just, yeah, we we just go to the Christmas tree farm. We used to always do the one, the little Boy Scout uh, Christmas tree place over in Green Hills. Yep. You know that one? Yep. We did that forever Mm. and ever and ever. That's That's right next to the mall, right? Right across from the Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right right in front of the Hillsboro. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And now, um, now, again, just like Jesus, we go to Home Depot. That's great. Amen. (laughs) Just like Jesus. That's right. All right. So Advent's here, season of waiting. Habakkuk speaks to a little bit of that. A does. whole lot of waiting for our boys. It does. It does. Um, AJ, you want to lead us off? Question one. Yeah, I, I was. Waymaker. I, oh, Is yes, that right? that's Miracle exactly worker, it. You started keeper. out. So we're Light we're going to jump back to oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago when you yes. preached. When on, we started Habakkuk. Yeah. So, chapter one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we 
loved it. So we thought this would be a great time to, <laughs> you, <laughs> you should listen to it. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So you did start out your sermon by talking about Waymaker, how right. it's one of your favorite songs. Or that's what I, yeah. Is it, that what you said? Is I, something like something yeah. It, like it is one of our yeah. I think and it collectively it collectively was one of the it's Lachlan's a great song. Favorite song. Yeah, it's just, just it's a song people sing. There it is. And uh, and so you were talking through the lyrics and um, but it led you into a question that you said, how do you trust when things aren't working? So that was the question. Right. So why why did you choose the frame the sermon series kind of with that question? Yeah, as going into. Um, Habakkuk, which is is probably my favorite Old Testament book, um, it's a like solid. Like there is a lot in those three chapters. Yeah. That that waymaker. What's what's the line? Even even when I don't feel it, you're working. Mm-hmm. We're really good. We being the church, Big C. And I have to choose my words carefully here we are really effective at creating a moment okay. and emotions and, and, and those can be used very, very well in that song, which I love when you're singing that particular part of the song, even when you don't, even when I don't feel that you're working, it is this beautiful kind of swell of emotions and you can feel the spirit. Mm-hmm. But the reality is most of us, if we believe that, we do not celebrate it. Like if we believe, even when I don't feel that you're working, it doesn't bring us that swell of positive emotions. I want to feel it. Mm-hmm. I want to see it. I want to know it. And the way I see it is when you give me exactly what I want. That's when I know you're working. So going into Habakkuk, um, I, we really wanted to kind of press the reset button and say that that emotion we just felt, which is something to be celebrated, and I, and I love that emotion, but I, I want to lean into that, and I want us all to really take some inventory and ask ourselves, do we really celebrate that when we're not singing it in a beautiful yep. worship moment like that? I mean, you, you spoke pretty powerfully to that in the sermon. Um I appreciated your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's it's almost hard in preaching to get that right. How vulnerable do I become? Yeah. Um, and I, I, it struck the right tone for me because you walk through, like, here's our history. We, we wanted kids here. Wasn't happening here. Or what are you doing? Am I good with the lyrics of that song in this moment, like you just said, right. when the kids don't seem to be coming along, and then all of a sudden, wait, you're moving us across the world? Yeah. Like, what is this going to this season of waiting turned out with a different answer than you thought it might. That parallels what we saw our boy Hab walk through in chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. What parallels can you draw between you and Nick's story, your testimony of kids, then Italy to how Habakkuk almost encouraged your faith along the along the way? Yeah. So, so Nick and I have walked through long seasons, a long journey of infertility. And if, um, if any of y'all or any of your friends or family have walked through that, it's a, it's just a brutal kind of bludgeoning, repetitive trauma. Mm. And it is this borderline unique experience in that 
each month you're asking God for one thing, hmm. one seemingly simple thing for him. Right. Like you are the author of life. This is something you can do. Will you do this for us? And unlike most things that we ask God for, every 28 days you get a tangible answer. Mm-hmm. And, and when you kind of play that repetitive trauma forward for two and three and four years, it, it just, I mean, it, it, it beats you down on every single level. So, so our journey... In those years, I can, I can remember my, my particular prayer life changing, and, and I, I, don't, I don't think I had time to, to kind of really unpack this in the sermon, but I can remember my particular prayer journey changing, and, and it started out with, with these just desperate prayers for a child, and after a couple of years, that switched to, okay if you're not going to give us a child, at least take away the desire for a child. That's only fair, right? Otherwise, it's just cruel. Mm. And I prayed that prayer for a long time, and and nothing ever changed. And eventually, I felt my prayer life kind of organically changing to, all right, God, if this is the path you've chosen for us, may you at least be glorified in it. And when I tell people that story, people think, okay, well, that's the moment that, you know, we were relieved of this burden and there was this, or that's the moment we got pregnant or that's the moment. Now that's the moment I just got angry. Mm -hmm. I was not, that was not a celebratory prayer for me. Yeah. And you get to this really raw place of, Yes, I recognize the ultimate goal of your glory and not mine, but I don't like it. And I'm not happy about it. And you can't make me be happy about it. And I prayed that prayer for a long time. And I was never incredibly joyful in that prayer. But one of the beauties that we learn in Habakkuk is Habakkuk. How many, how many different ways do we celebrate that? I mean, do we pronounce that? A few. Um, one of the, maybe the most powerful, tangible lesson we learn in, in his conversation with God is God receives that. God wants our honesty and vulnerability, and he is bigger than our frustration and confusion and anger and even bitterness. And he wants us to bring that to him rather than take it away from him. Yeah, yeah I think, sorry, I don't mean... No, you go ahead. It's, it's so, I'm thankful on this side of all of this to hear your heart, how yeah. you've walked through it, because I think we were taught in that, that, that meeting that one day, Habakkuk's lens at looking at God is not, I'm angry because I don't trust your goodness. It's I completely trust your goodness, but I still don't get it. Right. And I'm still frustrated and I'm still, and I, there's so many parallels between this text and your story. And I think that's why the scripture is so good because you're right. It's a dialogue. Like one of my favorite things is God actually answered. Yeah. Like it wasn't maybe the answer that he wanted, but he answered multiple times through mm-hmm. the text. And um, the fact that um, he was gracious, it wasn't the answer we thought it was. 
but the Lord got his glory out of it and, uh, and probably increased your faith and, and your story has increased ours. Mm. And so, yeah. yeah well, so going into that dialogue too, mm-hmm. and um, I, I love, mm, I'm, I'm, I don't love lamenting, but I do love that that's a gift that is uniquely for, for Christians, for yeah. people that believe God is who he says he is. Um, and so you talk about that dialogue and your sermon you're talking about um, when we're going through seasons, we can, we can talk about God mm-hmm. or we can talk to God. Uh, and I love, I'm going to just, I loved this, what you said. I think I got this right. You were talking about that <clears throat> sometimes there's that inactivity with God and we're asking like, why aren't you doing this? Right. And then it moves into activity mm-hmm. And then it's that inexplicable, that's not the way I want you to do this. Right. I think you were talking about that. Right. So during all of that, you were saying, um, talking about God and talking to God. Why do you think believers struggle with talking to God through all of that? Well, a lot of it, AJ, comes from our own disordered thinking about and misunderstandings about who God is. We, speaking in very broad terms, most of us, and I, and I feel comfortable saying that, most of us on some level were brought up believing a prosperity gospel. And so often when we, when we talk about the prosperity gospel, our mind goes directly to financial or material prosperity. And yes, that is, that is the prosperity mm-hmm. gospel, but it's so much broader than that. The prosperity gospel is if we love God enough, if we are good enough, if we have enough faith, then we will get this thing that we want. Yeah. And yes, uh, it, oftentimes, because of human nature, this thing that we want is some sort of material or financial gain or stability. But this thing that we want could also be something as pure as a child, as my father being cured of cancer, yeah. as go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and, and all of that is the prosperity gospel. All of that says God exists to reward me for what I do. And because of that, when that doesn't happen, we tend to turn away from God and talk about him to other people. Turns out everything I thought about this guy isn't real. Turns out he either couldn't do it because he's not powerful enough or wouldn't do it because he's a jerk. Mm. And because of that disordered thinking and misunderstanding about who God is, we tend to turn away from him rather than curl up in his lap as the creator and the lover of our souls, as a good father, as, as someone that we recognize the character of his goodness and grace and mercy, even when... You know, when my when my son doesn't get to play video games or eat all his Halloween candy in one night or whatever, that thing that's right in front of him that he is convinced this is the only good and pure thing in the world. And 
And because I love him, I don't allow him to do that in that moment. He still hopefully recognizes, even though he's upset, even though he's angry, um, even though he might not like it, he still hopefully recognizes my love for him in that moment. Because of our, our disordered thinking about God, we oftentimes miss that. Yeah. I love, you said this too, and I loved, it was so helpful. You were talking about lament. And you said that when you're talking with God, it's creating space and inviting God into that with us. So it's, I loved how you said Mm. that. Um, I'm a visual learner, so I was thinking about Mm. what that looks like. So when I am wanting this thing and I'm not getting that thing, instead of turning away from him, it's creating that space and inviting God into that that emptiness that I'm feeling Mm. and doing that all the while remembering God's character and his goodness. So... I loved that. It was so helpful. That's good. Anyway. That's good. Um, three weeks of Habakkuk. Yes. That's a lot of hours of studying. Yes. What did the Lord show you in three weeks behind the scenes? Where did the Lord take you, um, aside from the whole preaching gig, but just Dave and his perfect father? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the Lord showed me that I'm still not good at this. I, I still, I still don't want to sit in that space. I, I've, <clears throat> I, I've been given the the gift of a faith, I, I, and, and I don't struggle in that particular aspect. I do struggle sitting in the lament of it when, mm-hmm. when my when my dad died seven years ago. And, and my father-in-law died a couple of weeks before, before my dad died. And, and at the same time, in that same moment, we, we adopted our son. Just so much trauma in, in those weeks. For me, it gave me the incredible opportunity to really lean into caring for my wife and daughter. And from the outside looking in, that was, that was great, incredibly altruistic. I was, I was loving on my family. I was making sure they were safe and mentally and spiritually and emotionally processing all of this in a healthy way. The reality is I did all of that very selfishly because I didn't have to sit in it myself. These last few weeks is a reminder has been a reminder of me that I still have that tendency. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I'm, it's I'm probably just me. Uh, it might, might be me. Um, no, I'm there too. I'm, I'm there too. I don't, Chelsea, my wife will say it all the time. You just don't sit well. I run from mm-hmm. any sort of painful interaction and uh, I do not want to sit in it. Yeah, if time, if time heals all wounds, then if I run far enough and fast enough, eventually I'll outrun it. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time I slow down, it'll be healed, right? Yep. I feel like that plan is bulletproof. If I ignore it, it goes away. Yeah, that never goes wrong. Never. <laughs> <laughs> never. Well, is there anything there always seems to be, I'm sure, something that you would want to include that you hadn't spent some time or you ran out of time to say. So is there anything yeah. you wish you could have included in the sermon series that you didn't have a chance to say? Yeah, well, I so I didn't I didn't preach the final the final series uh, or I'm sorry, the final sermon of this series 
Thanksgiving weekend, although I was there. I had uh, an incredible friend, Bob Mendelson, preaching for us, and he brought he brought an amazing perspective to that Habakkuk chapter 3. I, I, I wished I – that's the one sermon I would have Bro. loved <laughs> Bro. to have preached yes. because the last few verses of Habakkuk chapter 3 – are, are something that have been so meaningful to me in, in my life, this idea of, but even if, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, even even when there's no figs on the trees and there's no sheep in the barn and your father isn't cured of cancer and you're in your fourth year of infertility and, and, and even then, and yet, God, you are good. God, you are worthy. It's been so formative in my life, and it's something I have to continue to preach to myself time and time and time again. And and that is that Habakkuk chapter 3, 16 through 19, is the remedy for the prosperity gospel yep. in every single facet. Yes, sir. However that, that false gospel of prosperity manifests itself in your life, send yourself back to Habakkuk 3. Yep as the antidote for that. I love it. I love it. And I think that speaks well to the season of waiting that we're in now with Advent, Mm -hmm. waiting on the second Advent eventually to come around, but celebrating the first. Um, Advent season's here. We're here to celebrate. We'll walk through it the next, what, three, four weeks as we approach Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, which is on a Sunday, January 1 on a Sunday. And so uh, we'll be walking through these things. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Follow us on here. Uh, We'll keep these podcasts coming for you. We've really enjoyed it. Dave, thanks for taking your time to... Come Brentwood campus, hang out with us. You're here all the time anyway. Um, but uh, <laughs> What else do I have to do, right? Yeah. I, only, I only work 30 minutes a week. Yeah. And so, uh, but we're thankful for you guys joining in. Dave, thanks again for coming. AJ, you as well. And? Midnight Christmas Eve. Y'all going to be there? Yeah. Right. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's do. You know what? I have done a midnight, but it was online. It was the online one. <sighs> Never so done it. So I told Daryl that. We're gonna Come try on, it. this is the year. It. We're okay. going to try it. So it doesn't start at midnight, just so everybody knows. Oh. Okay. It starts at midnight Eastern. Um, <laughs> 11. What, what, what is that? What is that 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Okay. 11 p.m. It ends at midnight. Okay. So, you oh, know, it's your classic. Uh, what, what camera are we looking at? Doesn't matter. This one right there. That one right there. Yeah. Uh, classic Christmas Eve candlelight service. We do all the hymns. We do the communion. Uh, we all get together. Beautiful, contemplative, sweet, intimate service all leading toward midnight, you know, when you turn out the lights. And if anybody, if you guys have been in our sanctuary, it's a beautiful, Ooh. beautiful room. You turn off the lights in that room and everybody has their candles and you sing Silent Night leading into midnight. And then midnight hits and, and our church family gets to sing Joy to the World together. Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Mm-hmm. And then you hug each other and you go home and you sleep for a few hours and you come back on Christmas morning, which is also going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you have family in town, okay. if you are looking for something to do Christmas Eve. It is a beautiful, sweet, intimate service. It's become a part of the fabric of the Hannah family Christmas. It's something we look forward to every single year. And this year for Christmas morning, uh, because we are, we're, we're doing it back to back. We literally will go home, sleep a few hours and come, might as well go home, sleep a few hours and come back. But our Christmas morning service is going to be super laid back. We're doing it in the commons. Uh, which is kind of our, our fellowship hall. We're going to have brunch. We're going to gather around the table. We're going to, awesome. you know, come in your pajamas, bring your kids. By that point, anybody that has kids is looking for some excuse to get out of the house anyway. Yeah. 
So uh, 11 a.m. Christmas morning, also a great time just to gather with the church family. Love it. David Hanna, Church at Lachlan Springs. Google it. Check them out on the website. Mm -hmm. Find all the details for everything Christmas Eve. Again, 11 p.m. That's right. Come hang. Please do. Let's do it. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas. And uh, thanks, guys. The most wonderful time of the year. We'll see you all next week.